Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Another edition of the Cool Zone podcast back after over a month off due to honestly just exhaustion of saying the same thing over and over again. But we're back. We're a week out of the playoffs. Be sure to head over to Twitter. Follow us at the Cool Zone Pod. Get in those DMs. They're dry, very dry. But hop in there. Tell us what you want us to discuss as we get closer to the postseason. Today, I am joined by my usual co host. Jonathan Sullivan, and are alongside our usual guest co-host in studio this time for the first time in ever, Dan Sadik. Welcome to the pod. Hey, hey, what's up guys? Uh, happy to be here, happy to talk about uh, this team we got and the road ahead, and yeah, good to be in studio. So, here's the situation as I alluded to in, uh, just a minute ago. It has been over a month since we've recorded an episode Jonathan and I just felt like we were getting sick and tired of doing the same same old song and dance. There we go. Shout out Aerosmith. Shout out Aerosmith. Every week with the Celtics, where we would just sit here and vent our frustrations, the same frustrations, they, things wouldn't get solved, or they would for a, a short stretch, and then they go back to the same way they were before. And what I'm referencing here is the last time we came to you guys was around where the Celtics were playing some real good basketball. Minnesota, New York, Denver, Portland, Lakers, Golden State, all wins. Six in a row, might add. But then they went back to their losing ways and they dropped three straight, including a, we'll call this the uh, Tuesday Night April Massacre. <laughs> where Oklahoma City, who is... Jonathan, what are they in their last 22 games? They're 1-21 in their last 22. <laughs> and the Celtics lost to that team. They are the 1-1-21. One in one in uh, so that's a bad look. And I think that's probably when we knew the season was over, even though they won their next two games after that. But nonetheless, we will get to the Celtics uh, at the very end of the program. For now, we have some quick headlines. All right, so today came out A-Rod and the Wolves deal is not done yet. The 30-day window to sign over the paperwork or whatever passed, so they're looking to get an extension maybe. I don't know what's going on with them. I have a quick thought on that. It just really makes you think A-Rod's ability to close, um, you know, he couldn't close with uh, J-Lo. Now her ex, Ben Affleck, is back with her. Um, I mean, just wild scene there. And now A-Rod couldn't buy the Mets. He couldn't close there. Steve Cohen ended up closing, and now he's trying to close with the T-Wolves. I don't know, man. If you're telling me, I don't think he's going to close just by his track record. It sounds like A-Rod is nothing without Mariano Rivera, huh? Uh, It really does make you think. It really does. really does. I mean, when it matters most in the postseason, he wasn't really there either. He didn't really shine. He didn't have, like, great postseason numbers when they won. Uh, So, uh, really makes you think. Thanks, Boom. Anyway. Gotcha. Um, so, like I said, their 30-day window expired. Maybe they'll negotiate an extension, but for now, a deal has not been reached yet, so we wait and see what happens with Minnesota. Does anybody really care at the end of the day? Probably not. Russell Westbrook is now officially the triple-double king. He's about to go a second season averaging a triple-double per game. Uh, he's now passed Oscar Robinson for most triple-doubles in NBA history, 182 and he's about to set, uh, I think, the single-season record again um, for most triple-doubles in a season. He's currently averaging 23 points, 15 boards, and 15 assists roughly uh, in his past, just over the past seven days. So Westbrook is absolutely putting on a tear right now. Um, and this is after a lot of people started talking some smack on my guy. Uh, if we go back to about a month ago, last time we talked, he was playing good, but there were points in the season where... He was not playing well, and people were questioning whether he's washed up. I guess we have the answer to that question. Also in the news, Kent Bazemore in the news with Bradley Beal. Over some comments he made about, well, sub-tweets, I should really say. Uh, Bazemore was commenting about Steph Curry's 49 points in 29 minutes and made what he called a lighthearted joke about guys tearing their hamstrings just to keep up 
referencing Bradley Beal, who the same night that Steph did 49 in 29 minutes, Bradley Beal put up 50 in an overtime win against the Indiana Pacers, but missed re- the very end of regulation in overtime because of a hamstring injury. Uh, Bazemore said it was a joke. Bradley Beal did not take kindly to it, and they went, uh, and Beal put a slew of tweets together at Bazemore uh, that just went uh, ignored. But it was kind of funny to watch. You can always count on the NBA for the, like this low-level drama on Twitter, uh, whether it be emojis back to the DeAndre Jordan hostage days or uh, any other, you know, Clay Thompson, Detroit Piston drama in the booth, whatever you want to go with that. Also, in the news, Jalen Brown, and we'll talk more about this, is dead. Um, not actually dead, but he might as well be dead. His left wrist is destroyed. He is out for the year, and the Celtics are really going to be struggling without him. Also in the news, LeBron James, a.k.a. Lay Mickey, is targeting a Wednesday return against the Houston Rockets. He will be not playing tonight against the New York Knicks today, obviously being Tuesday, May 11th. So, tomorrow will be his return. The Memphis Grizzlies have clinched a play-in spot in the Western Conference play-in tournament. They are currently sitting at the ninth seed, and we'll talk more about the standings in a moment. And lastly, well-renowned rapper J. Cole will be playing in the Basketball Africa League. Uh, kind of shocked about that. I knew he could play basketball. I didn't think he was... Uh... He's pretty tall. Yeah, I think I definitely slept on how tall he was. Uh, do you know how tall he actually is? Oh, he's, he's got to be like 6'5", maybe, 6'6". Damn Honestly, I thought the dude was like 5'8". Nope. He's 6'2". Oh. <laughs> but he he's... I think he played like... I mean, it's still good, really good to play high school ball. And yeah. They had him in the Celebrity All-Star game a couple years. He was like dunking and stuff. Yeah, I remember him being pretty good in that. So, All right, that's your headline. So let's get into the, the meat of the topics today. And that being the standings. So in front of us, we have a beautiful display of the NBA standings right now of both the Western and Eastern Conference, including the play-in games and who will go where. So, last time we talked, some of the things here were pretty similar, but the biggest thing that has remained is the <coughs> Phoenix Suns are still in the top of the Western Conference, not the one seed, obviously, but the two seed. So, over in the West, Utah still sits at number one with the Suns at number two. The Clippers have taken over the three spot. Denver, after losing Jamal Murray to a torn ACL, I believe that was during our month hiatus, uh, and they are sitting at the four spot, 44 and 24. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks spotted in at five, and the Portland Trailblazers sit at six. So those guys are currently avoiding the play-in tournament. Now we got to talk a little bit about the Lakers. I think that's been the biggest actual switch-up is the Los Angeles Lakers have fallen from pretty much the two-seed all the way down to the playing tournament as the seventh seed. Guys, what do we think about the Lakers right now? Well, if they if they're they're gonna be the seventh seed or the sixth seed, whatever, they're gonna have to play on the road for their the entire playoffs, most likely. For all their series, they're gonna be playing one and two the first two games on the road. Now LeBron did this with Cleveland when they were the four seed. The only time they played on the on at home was in the first round, back in like 2017. Um, but this team is different than that team, and the Western Conference is much tougher. So for those of people that think the Lakers just need to get healthy, and then they'll just still coast to the finals like they did last year. I disagree, and I think that the Lakers are in real trouble this year. And as the seven seed, they're probably gonna have to play in the playing game. I I saw last night it was like a eighty percent chance that they're the seven seed and a twenty percent chance they're the six seed as of right now. So I don't trust them to get to the finals this year out of the West, especially if they're the seven seed when they have to play even a, another game in addition to uh, the regular playoffs that they play in. Dan, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I just think that I will go against the grain for or Jonathan's grain here and tell you that um, they, if they do get healthy, then I think that they will have a pretty good shot to make the finals because, again, like a team like 
Denver is a lot less scary when you remove Jamal Murray from that team. And the Suns, they're really good. Look, like, the Suns, I think, are really talented uh, with, like, the top of their roster. Aiton, obviously, Chris Paul, and Booker. Great talent. But I don't think they're ready yet. And I think LeBron, as old as he is right now, he's still he's still at the end of his, like, you know, prime. Not prime of, like, being, you know, invincible, not ever getting injured. But, I mean, he's still ridiculous. When he turns it on, he's still one of the best players in the world. Anthony Davis as well. I just, on the road, at home, I don't think it's going to matter too, too much in the beginning. Conference finals, it could it could bite him in the end. But if they don't have to start off against Utah, like if they end up, uh, if they are in the play-in and say they're the seven seed playing the eight and they win that game and they go on to play Phoenix, I think that is a tough matchup. But if they get past Phoenix, then look out. Because then at that point, LeBron knows how to win playoff series more than anybody in the league. I mean, the dude, that's all he has done in his career is get to the finals. He knows how to do it better than literally anybody. So, Active players, of course. Active. Yeah. The dude, obviously, until he left the East, he was there every single year since he had joined the Heat. So I just think that I put more faith in them making a run than the Lakers getting in big trouble and flailing out early. I do know that, obviously, they have... You know, their bodies have been probably tested the most out of any team. They, they, you know, they won the finals last year in the bubble. Short turnaround. And, you know, LeBron is their best player, you know, or most important player. Um, and he's he's coming off injury. So we're just going to have to see for that. But I, I don't, I just don't see the Lakers uh, not making a run. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the question. Can their bodies hold up? And they're going to need to get their other players helping out LeBron and Anthony Davis because not only can they not carry the team from just a talent perspective, but, I mean, their bodies, can they hold up having to carry the whole team on their backs? They're going to need guys like Kuzma and guys like Andre Drummond yeah. to start stepping up. Drummond really hasn't made a big impact yet. Um, for the Lakers, he's been playing smaller minutes than he's used to um, in Cleveland. But the NBA surely is not going to be upset with what is projected to be the 7-8 playing game at the moment. Uh, that being the Lakers against none other than Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry has been absolutely balling lately. Uh, we already mentioned his 49 points in 29 minutes, but... He is now averaging almost 32 points a game. I believe 31.9 to be exact. That is top in the league. Um, Curry is single-handedly carrying the team on his back to the playing game, to the playoffs. And like I said, the NBA will not complain if this matchup stays. Uh, And it looks like it has a decent chance to, although Memphis is really close behind Golden State. Only about four games left for the Grizzlies, three games left for the Warriors. So uh, things are coming down to the wire. But speaking of Memphis, I said they clinched a spot. They currently sit in the 9-10 playoff playing game as the ninth seed against the 10 seed San Antonio Spurs. The Pelicans and Kings are close behind the Spurs, but they're still about two and a half, three games back. So they're not officially eliminated yet. But it's going to be real tough for them to slot in at the 10 seed. Spurs kind of a surprise. They were uh, they were top in the Western Conference. They were about top half of the Western Conference, around that 4-5 or five spot earlier on in the season. But as expected, I think we all kind of knew that they would slide down a bit. They just don't have the talent that the rest of the teams in this conference do. Such a bulky conference. So um, what else are you guys looking forward to over in this Western Conference? Uh, I think... Dallas has a real opportunity to get to the second round, being that uh, the Nuggets are without Jamal Murray. Uh, MVP, future, future MVP candidate Nikola Jokic is going to have a lot of work to do to get his team running through the uh, the playoffs. So what do you guys think about those middle two series between Denver and Dallas and Los Angeles Clippers and Portland? Yeah, I just want to see the Clippers actually put it together in the playoffs. You know, between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, 
they that was that was a marriage you know that came out of Kawhi Leonard's free agency when Paul George was still with uh, OKC, and you know it's like all right, you guys wanted each other this bad, you wanted to be on the Clippers this bad, and you got other guys to fill in. Uh, you got freaking Rondo now playing for every goddamn team out there, every LA team too. Um, but yeah, I want to see these two guys actually put it together for a, a whole playoff run. Because again, Kawhi Leonard is a big load management guy, and it worked for him in his uh, Toronto championship. But like, look, let's see you do it here. And I think again, you're going up against Portland, uh, six seed that I don't think is really going to do much. Uh, Dame, Dame is going to get his easily for sure, but I don't think Portland is really going to pose too much of a threat there. It's more so, like you said, Nick, um, you know, what happens with that Denver and Dallas series? Because uh, Dallas, they've, they've kind of grown into themselves this year. They were sort of like the Celtics for a while, where you're looking at them and you're like, you have... You should be better than what you are. You have more talent, and they have kind of done that over time. They five seed in the West is not too shabby. Yeah, remember when you said? Uh, remember when you said Luka Doncic wasn't doing enough when they were like a, like on the a fringe eight seed? Well, look where they are now. <laughs> he didn't. Nothing changed in the way Doncic was playing. Well, he's been doing the, the depth, same thing the all depth year. Just got a little better. He just got some help. In I the wouldn't back. say no because like if literally they have been better. Like yeah, you 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 could argue he's been great all year. Yeah. But I don't know. Like over the course of a season, things change. Chemistry gets better. Whatever. But he's again, he's your best player. So he is a vital part of that. Mm-hmm. And as the team is getting better, I give him credit for it. You know, I'm not gonna just sit there and say, oh, you know, he's just he didn't change it. You know, he didn't. Whatever. Whatever he is doing right now has brought them to you know 12 games above 500. And in a pretty good, you know, first round series spot with a banged up uh, Denver Nuggets team. So well, all I'm saying is he's been playing the same type of basketball all year. It's not like his performance has changed. And it's the way that the guys behind him have played and with him. But he is also part of that because he's also playing with them all the time. And he's in these situations. And he's, again, like... He's a big scorer, mm-hmm. but he's also a guy that... He averages 8.7 assists per game. It's top five in the entire league. So, like, again, if you're doing that, you're making people around you better. Yes. And so what happens over time? They, they get better. It, exactly. So I, that's what I'm saying is his teammates got better. You were saying he wasn't doing enough earlier on. That's why they were the, well, where like, they were. All right. It was like parsing words. I mean, he, like, they... Yeah. All right. <laughs> You are like getting down to a a, a nitty gritty level. Yes, yes, that's what we do. No, that's fine. And what I will tell you is that, look, yeah, if he was LeBron James or you know whatever, you know, if he had, you know, say his talent cap was just a bit higher, or again he was doing better than what he was earlier in the year, they would have been playing better. And I'm not gonna fault him for Porzingis. You know, I don't think he's still really found his ceiling either or at least you know earlier on he definitely wasn't well his and body has been is banged up that's for the what past I, few years. that's what i was gonna say his injuries are what's holding him back from being a a, a star big man in this so week. a lot of the load does come on luca but at the same time the guy's been a pro for you know wicked long you know he's been playing you know against grown men you know in big leagues, in big games, in big spots. He's got a temper, too. He does. and he 15 he texts, out. he gets one more, he's suspended. He balls out. He got but... Slager 2 kicked out the other night for literally punching Colin Sexton <laughs> in the nuts. Yeah, well, Smart did that, too, to mm-hmm. Nurkic. But, um, yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah, it happens. You know? All right, so let's move right along here. Who do you guys see coming out of the Western Conference? Or, let's say, who do you got playing in the Western Conference Finals and then moving on to the NBA Finals? You seem to be pretty high in the Lakers. Are you going to stick with that, Dan, here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I just don't feel confident enough in another team. Um, I don't think the Suns are ready, and they would be probably the closest thing I would come to picking over the Lakers just because I don't. I don't trust the Clippers yet, so okay, I'm so take we, the Lakers out of the West. So because of the play-in tournament, they technically could win and be the seventh seed or lose and then win that second game, be the eighth seed. So 
Where do you have the Lakers going? How do you have them getting to that Western Conference Finals, and who's their opponent? So I am of the mind they will get past Golden State there if that is indeed the matchup that holds at the 7-8 and eight spot for the play-in. Yeah, for a future reference, I, let's just assume yeah. that what you see in front of yeah. you here is what it holds to be. Oh, yeah. So I do think they win that game. Like, I think they've already made it hard enough on themselves, and they're the reigning champions. I, I don't think they're going to get to a point where they lose and they're literally not in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so definitely having the Lakers out of the West. And look, like, as much as I'm skeptical of their health at times, the writing's on the wall. It's been on the wall since James Harden got traded to them. The Brooklyn Nets out of the East. I mean, they're just, they're loaded. They are truly loaded. Uh, and I don't, I don't see any other team coming out of the East. I mean, last year you had a four seed, I believe four seed Heat team that was hot, talented too, grown man basketball with Jimmy Butler, but like this year, I think it's clear and cut. Like the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to flip everybody on their heads um, that they come across. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think they're going to be, you know, backs against the wall or anything like that either. So Nets and Lakers. Fun. All right, Jonathan, for your final four teams, I was looking for the conference matchups and the NBA finals, technically DS, but Jonathan, who do you got? Okay, so if we stick to what the seating is now, as you said. Correct. um, Which there really is only going to be very small moments. I would have the Lakers versus the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Um, No. If it's six right now, I'd have Utah versus the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Yes, I'd have Utah versus the Clippers <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals right well, now. Well, just kind of double check. But I do think that Golden State is going to beat the Lakers in the playoff playing game. So then that would give me uh, Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference Finals um, because I think that the Lakers. Well, whoever so the you, Lakers... You, you think Golden State is going to beat the Lakers, take the seventh seed, and then the Lakers will win the second game, get the eighth seed, and then beat the Utah Jazz, which I don't know when the last time a eight seed beat a one seed was, was when the Hawks were a one seed in the East and they lost to whoever the eight seed was? Uh, no, they never did that. No, it was the, the Mavericks Bulls... losing to the Warriors back in like... No, well, it was, it was after that, though. It was the Sixers beat the Bulls when Derrick Rose tore his ACL. God damn it, you're right. Okay, so you have that happening, which happens very not so often, and you have them going all the way to the Western Conference Finals? Yes, just because LeBron, in one game, I think that Steph Curry can like single-handedly beat the Lakers, but the thing about LeBron is that in seven games in a series, like he's just he'll beat Utah or, or Phoenix, whoever they, whoever they face. But I think the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. So for that reason, I I have them coming out of the West right now just because Utah, no matter who they play, Donovan Mitchell is still a little banged up. He's their best player. And Phoenix, I just, they're a nice story, but I don't trust them. And then in the East, I think the writing's on the wall. It's Philly-Brooklyn with Brooklyn going to the NBA Finals uh, and winning the Finals. Over the Clippers, so I also have Brooklyn versus LA. I just have the Clippers uh, instead of the Lakers, like DS has. Hmm. Well, um, I've got Clippers Jazz uh, over in the West. I think the Lakers will beat the Warriors in that first game, but ultimately the Clippers will beat the Lakers. I think, in my opinion, get their way to the Western Conference Finals. And so you do agree that the Lakers will beat Phoenix? Um, yeah, I'm not too confident in that I could see it going either way. The point is, I don't really care because whoever wins is going to lose to the Clippers. And I don't see the 4-5 seed Denver-Dallas. I don't see either of them uh, giving Utah much of a, a hard time. So I think Utah is a pretty, uh, I hate to say easy, but a, a pretty good path to the Western Conference Finals. So I like Utah and Los Angeles Clippers. And I'm going to ride with the Clippers into the NBA Finals because I think they just have more superior elite talent. I hate the Jazz. They're frauds. I don't care if they have 50 wins. Um, and then over in the East, um, the, the, like you said, you guys made the same little uh, cliche, the writing on the wall. 
it, it's tough to argue the way it's top three dominated in the Eastern Conference between Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. Um, it's pretty stupid to pick against Milwaukee and Brooklyn playing in that second round matchup. And I think Philly, like Utah, has a pretty easy path to the Eastern Conference Finals, so I like them to get there too. Um, in between Milwaukee and Brooklyn, it, it, it's it's tough. I'm not sold on Brooklyn just yet. Not completely sold. Uh, I think they can get by Milwaukee, uh, and then they match up with Philly. And until I'm sold on them, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Philly. So um, I'm gonna have Philly and Los Angeles. NBA Finals. And between those two, um, I'm going to give it to the Clippers. So, The Clips? Yep. Ooh. Jonathan, do you have one? I already won. No, I, no, I mean like... Oh, the Nets. The, the, Nets are, the Nets are going to win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you guys are no fun. Dude. Just watch. I mean, it's just, just watch. Just you'll, watch. You'll you want to make a bet? You want to make a bet right now? Okay, sure. Well, let's structure this however you like. I will... My bet will be that the Nets... Do not win the NBA championship. Okay, and our bet is the Nets will win the NBA yes. championship. Yes. What would you like? What would you like to wager? Throw a burrito uh, on that. If you don't it's mind. fine with me. I'll do a burrito bet with Dan. And, and what would you like I'll in throw, return? Uh, I'll throw a four for four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Looks like I'm gonna get a free four for them. Never gonna yeah. cash in. Hashtag healthy diet scene. And then a burrito. I'll cash in right away on. All right. So. Um, let's move forward a little bit. I think it's time to get into the Celtics portion of the podcast. So, um, let's get right to it then. Like I said, uh, the Celtics are pretty much dead. So let's talk about Jalen Brown first. Uh, a left wrist injury. So I, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to attempt to announce or pronounce, excuse me, the actual tear in his left wrist, but it's, uh, a pretty, a pretty serious injury that affects the stability and the movement of the joint in his wrist and it's in his left hand as well which not a shooting hand but still um i know this sounds like a pretty obvious question for you guys but um how will jalen brown missing the rest of the season impact the celtics playoff run um it won't affect them at all because they were gonna (laughs) lose to Brooklyn or Philadelphia in the first round, no matter what. They'll still lose to Brooklyn or Philadelphia if they play them in the first round. And now, this silver lining, maybe, is they can get into the lottery, actually. (laughs) Because if they lose to Charlotte, if they lose to Charlotte, they're not beating Washington in the play-in game. No shot they're beating Washington. So they have to beat Charlotte to get in because Washington is going to beat Indiana. And then if the Celtics lose a start, they'll play Washington, and they're not being Washington. So that is the silver lining. The Celtics season is over. They're not making it out of the first round of the playoffs if they get in. And hopefully they lose to the Hornets, and then they, which would take some effort, but then they'll lose to the Wizards. Do you agree with that, Dan? Are you that. riding with the tank? Pretty much. I just, like, I, I can't see Tatum and, and Kemba, like, you know, carrying the scoring load like that in the play-in game. And, you know, they're playing the Hornets, you know, as of right now, and it's just, I don't think it's a great matchup for them because, again, they're going to attack Kemba. Rozier will, and LaMelo now, will attack Kemba uh, and get exposed like the Heat were doing. And, you know, I don't think they're going to have Hayward. But even still, um, yeah, I just don't love the Celtics in that spot. And even if they did have Brown... They probably maybe win one series if that if they got high enough, but um, yeah, they're 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 toast, and I really hope Jalen Brown hasn't played his last game as a Celtic because that would suck. Because I, who knows what kind of changes could be made after this season? A really disappointing season. I know they weren't healthy the whole year, but well, not not to cut you off there. Uh, you know, he's he's still signed under contract for quite a while. It's not like he's gonna be no, but like. I just don't, you know, like, if you're Danny Ainge, you know, you're going to have pressure to do something. All right, well, let's, uh, I would I would like to think he's, Danny Ainge is not that stupid, but again, he always seems to surprise us, but Me, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the offseason in, in a little bit. Um, let's, let's stick with the playoffs for a little longer. What 
what does this team have to do? Like, in what scenario do they make a run, and how far is their ceiling to uh, for this run in the playoffs? Like, the the ceiling and for this run is they win the playing game. In your mind, there is no feasible way, no if they Aaron play, Neesmith, Evan Fournier play, blowout. If they play Brooklyn, they'll lose in five. If they play Philly, they might lose in six. Maybe they can make that into a little bit of a series. But uh, they're done. There is there is no ceiling for them. Yeah, you agree with that? The, the play-in games are, you know, I do see a way that they could win those, like, but the first round, you know, I would want I would yeah. I would want to lose the playing game. Like to give them the highest chance to make like a de facto run in the playoffs, they need to lose to Charlotte and then beat Washington, which they won't do. But they they need that to do that to get the the eight seed rather than the seven seed because they're not beating Brooklyn. It's not even gonna be close. Kyrie yeah, no sure. cooks them because Kemba can't guard anyone. And Philly's point guard can't shoot, so you can kind of play Kemba off on, like, Seth Curry or Danny Green, someone that's just a shooter, so you can just run around with them. Yeah, I mean, they would have, even with Brown, again, like, literally no shot against Brooklyn. Brooklyn is just way too good. Philly, you at least have good history against them, like, in various forms of your rotation, Um, and same with theirs, but... They've seemed to at least figure it out in the regular season, and being the one seed as of right now, it's pretty good. And they have a pretty solid path, uh, like you said, Nick, to um, you know the the Eastern Conference Finals. At least the Sixers do. Uh, the Celtics don't know if they can even win a series. I I just don't think so. All right. So with those painful realizations in mind, let's just do a little end of the season analysis of some of the players and some of the events uh, that took place uh, down the stretch. Um, so let's talk about Evan Fournier. Uh, what do we think now that the season is pretty much all wrapped up? Uh, what do we, what do we think back to that deal? Was that, like, the right move? Was it a good move, a bad move, now that we've seen Fournier in action for a, uh, quite a while? It's the right move if they re-sign him. If they don't re-sign him, it's whatever. You still give up a second, like, two second-round picks, which, who cares? You you don't need Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters on your team. But if they can re-sign him to, like, a reasonable deal, like something like three for... I don't know, forty-eight or something like that. I, I that's what the type of money I feel like he like might get. Like anything over twenty, I would think is a little bit unreasonable. Like he's on seventeen million dollar contract right now, maybe a little bit less than that. So maybe like three for forty-two or three for forty-five would be my 45. ideal range. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that that's that's good and all, but I don't. I think if there's a better option out there that fixes this team's problem, uh, I think they need to go that route first. Because the yeah. thing is... Well, I don't think they can. Yeah. Because they they they're, have Fournier's bird rights through the trade. And they have no cap space. I yeah. think they're at like negative 20 million. Because Tatum's humongous contract kicks in next year. Yep. Yep. Um, and and he's going to get, if he makes an all-NBA all team, he gets like another 30. Yeah, over the course. So that would be well, like, yeah, you know, but I just mean, yeah. like, his contract will get higher yeah, and higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's continue the blame game here um, at the end of the season analysis. Let's talk about our favorite guy, Aaron Neesmith. Uh, we have to give Aaron Neesmith a little credit over the past week or so, even though it's meant absolutely nothing to the long-term situation, at least for this season, for the Celtics. Um, Neesmith actually shooting with some confidence now. He, uh, I think he had about like three 15-plus points, uh, points per game in a row. Um, thoughts on Aaron Neesmith going forward uh, now that we've seen a small glimpse of Maybe what he could be on a more consistent basis. I got something to say. Okay. I think Brad... 
Brad has been in, in a tough spot with these guys that Danny picks. I think he should have just been playing the kid from the get-go. Like, how many times were we, or especially Jonathan, you know, after, you know, Aaron Neesmith DNP count, like, you know. What is that at, by the way? Do you know? Like He hasn't had a DNP in a, in a little bit. But. Yeah, because he started getting played, and then he started playing himself into more minutes, which is something you should have done in the beginning of the season. Because, look, you know what guys like Shemi are. You Trash. know, you know what guys like like him are. You know Trishan Thompson. You know Grant Williams. You know Romeo Langford. Uh, Langford can't see the court. The way I refer to them are uh, Romeo Langford and the goons. Yeah. So you know what? You got a guy in the middle of the draft that you know was the quote unquote best shooter in the draft, and the guy now is out there playing pretty, yeah, pretty solid. And he's actually hustling. He's showing more than just the shooter mentality. He's actually playing with more, you know, more to his game than just that, which is, I don't know. I just wish we had seen it sooner. And it's nice to see it now. But, you know, it is it is a little nugget to, you know, kind of take with you along to next year. 25 is the... Uh... Twenty five for DMP coaches decisions for Neesmith this season. That's mm-hmm. like forty percent of the season. This season, yes, it's ridiculous. So I'm currently pulling up on the screen just to fill some space here, but um, these are some of the past games that Aaron Neesmith has put out. Uh, his last seven days, he's averaging about seventeen minutes a game, eight points, four rebounds, uh, and pretty much zeros across the board from there. Um, but we mentioned those three games in a row where he played 31, 30, and then 20 minutes against Charlotte, San Antonio, and Portland. 15 points, 16 points, 16 points, 9 rebounds, 6 rebounds, 4 rebounds. You know, and in fantasy terms, he was playing well. 22, 22, and 18 fantasy points, which is pretty good, especially for somebody of Aaron Neesmith's stature. But look, um, you go all the way back down to before the OKC game and even including it. I mean, he was barely breaking 10 minutes a game. And he wasn't giving you much of a contribution, of any. Two points, five, five, six, zero. So I, I'm with Dan. I think they should have been playing him all year long, uh, especially on a team that has absolutely no depth. And that's a word the three of us have talked about a lot with this team off-pod. But this team clearly... And you can't argue this anymore if anybody was trying to. They don't have depth. Zero depth. Possibly negative 50 depth. They are 30, 30th in the league in average bench scoring per game this season. That's I, dead last. It's Romeo Langford and his goons. I mean, I got it right here for you. Let's take, like, just think about the depth chart here. And obviously, you got to put in Jalen Brown. So they've been, they had been playing Evan Fournier off the bench. So your centers, you've got Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson. When they're healthy, I don't have a problem with those two being the the two centers of this team. The problem is they struggle to be healthy all year long. So that's been painful. You bring in Fournier off the bench, that's great. He struggled with COVID too. So health has been a big problem with this team all year long. That's a factor. It's important to notice that and understand that. But outside of that, like I said, it's Romeo Langford and his goons. It's guys who are all the same literal type of player. They contribute nothing. Langford, Ojale, Grant Williams. They are guys who have absolutely nothing to contribute offensively, and Celtics fans seem to think that they're some defensive gods, but they're not. They don't contribute enough on defense to make up for their offense. You want to talk about guys who contribute on defense to make up for their poor offense? Two names, and I'm an OKC homer, but they're perfect names. Andre Roberson and Lou Gentz Dort, who is actually, Dort being, a better offensive player than all three of these guys combined now. But back even in his rookie season with Dort and then obviously Roberson all the years, they started on NBA teams that made the playoffs because they were lockdown defenders. They were great defenders. They couldn't shoot the ball for shit, but they were fantastic defenders. Langford, Neesmith, uh, Grant Williams, and Semi Ojale. All the same player. Can't score. Neesmith is showing he can score, but for most of the season, he either wasn't playing or wasn't scoring when he was playing, and they don't play defense to make up for it. 
and that has been a huge problem because that's three guys you have to put out on the court and you can't just put Evan Fournier out there and say, hey, go score the ball. Or when if you're keeping a starter out with Fournier, whether it's Tatum, whether it's Brown, you can't just say, hey, go score the ball. The problem with this team, including the depth issue, that they can't rely on guys to come in off the bench to help, and they can't even rely on them to just keep the the, the lead or keep the game close. And well, the, yeah. the, the biggest thing I'll uh, before you add into this is that Lakers game where they won. They were up like 20-plus points in the Lakers, and they throw in uh, Tremont Waters, Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, probably Shemi Ojale, Taco, whoever it was, Cornette. Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner. That's who they, they threw in because they still had him at that point. Now he's balling for the, Maver- or the Magic. And the bench came in, and they blew it. And with about a minute or two to go, Brad had to put the starters back in. That just goes to show you that this team has very obvious depth issues that they need to address in the offseason somehow. I don't know how you do it. But they have to do something because if this team comes back next year, they're going to have to they're gonna to have to fire Brad Stevens and bring in a different coach that's gonna play a different system. Because the system they played this year with Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Fournier, all who I would say are more score dominant than pass dominant. It just doesn't work. It's the it's the one ball theory that everybody thought the Brooklyn Nets were going to be plagued with, where everybody just wants to score the ball and nobody's going to be facilitating it. it. It wasn't the Brooklyn Nets we needed to worry about. It was the Boston Celtics we needed to worry about with the one ball uh, theory. So. Well, yeah, I just want to say, I think part of that too is like, with those Brooklyn guys, and obviously it happened here in 08, where they all buy in. They they're already well established. They've all already made their money. They've already they already are entrenched in league history in terms of their name, their accolades, what they've done in the league. And Kyrie especially is already a champion. Like those guys don't need to worry too much about oh my god, like how many looks am I getting tonight? What's my usage rate? Like guys like Tatum and Brown and Smart, obviously and wrongfully so Smart. I'll give a pass to Brown and Tatum for wanting to do whatever they can to, you know, get an all-NBA team, to be an all-star, whatever it takes. But that's um, that's not the way they should be buying in. If they're looking at that and wondering what their usage rate is, they're, that's well, a recipe for disaster. No, I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying they should be. I'm saying I don't blame them as much as a guy, I do, you know, like Marcus Smart. Regardless. Well, it's just like I understand. Like I, I like I that is that is the mentality of a lot of like young. If you're 21 years old and all of a sudden you're just getting blown up, everyone's talking about you being the next hottest thing, you know. But you know, whoever you are, like that is gonna play. It can play a role. I get but that. I but think, when you're on a team that's made it to Eastern Conference Finals before, you should have some awareness that you can compete if you play the right type of basketball. Right. And they just and aren't I, buying it. I'm getting. It. I'm yeah. I I was trying to get to that. Go so. Ahead. Whether it's Brad Stevens or whatever it is, there was another clear issue where whatever given night it was this season, and I know COVID and injuries played a factor in not having the biggest sample size to you know explain this, but you have guys on your team between Tatum, Brown, Kemba, um, those guys alone should all be at the very least showing up and not putting up stinkers. And each of them did throughout the season and for different reasons what have you um but that's something that if you had cleaned up that if you had your starting you know five four of your five guys at least show up and you're not chasing in a lot of these games where you know whether it's the heat game you know one of the most recent um editions of it where you're down huge down huge down huge you're down so much you're down 23 in the fourth quarter and you bring it all the way down to five at one point, and then you collapse again. I mean, part of it is just showing up for sixty. Uh, sorry, forty-eight minutes, and that's something. This they have not proven they can do that. They don't do it on a consistent basis. They just whether they coast it, and give and up one hundred and thirty points. Part of that has to be the messaging or a disconnect with them and the operation that Stevens is running. They need, they, there has to be. And, and I was talking about this the other day with uh, with Gary, actually. Um, 
they need a different personality in that head coaching spot. Brad is seemingly too carefree, and he, he just—I think we we've talked about this plenty, but he I, it just doesn't seem like he connects with the players as much. They, they need, need a player that comes from a similar background. Brad doesn't come from the type of background that that Brown and Tatum come from. I don't. I don't even think just obviously that would help, but like. Imagine, I know there's no real coach like Greg Popovich, but somebody who has those somewhat similar personality traits who's not going to put up with this type of crap. That's the guy that needs to be in the position of the head coach to really like make these guys like respect you and go out there and bust their ass for them. Yeah, or even like a, like a Doc Rivers type. Yes. Like maybe someone who's at least been in the league for what you know whatever and can relate. Um, they had brought Evan Turner in to the fold on the staff this year. And I don't know if maybe they'd try another year of that. I don't know. But, like, is Brad going anywhere? I don't, I, I don't think I would trust Danny to, to make that bold of a move. But so let me, let me ask you guys this tough. then. Um, assuming that this team in front of you that you're looking at on the screen, their depth chart here, Assuming that they come back next year with this same group or, for the most part, the same pieces, maybe a, like a, a role player or two different, a draft pick, whatever, um, how do they get out of this hole? How do they make sure that next year what we saw happen this year doesn't happen again? Where does the solution start? Well, if, if they can stay healthy... Which is big. Uh, what's their problem is they're so inconsistent, and you say like, oh, they coast and stuff like that. So this is where I give Brown and Tatum a bit of a pass. Like, yes, they've had some stinkers, Tatum in particular. But the problem is, is that you have all these other guys, Kemba, who barely plays. Forty-two games this year, he's missed twenty-six. Doesn't play on back-to-backs. How are you supposed to get consistent like rotations when your match player doesn't play in like half the games? Marcus Smart, missed a whole bunch of time with an injury, also comes in stupidly inconsistent, like hucks up threes, thinks he's way better than he is. Evan Fournier gets traded, immediately gets COVID, misses two weeks, comes back for the next week, complete shit. Now he's finally figuring out. Big Bob can barely play more than 10 games before he gets hurt. Now he's really hurt. Tristan Thompson got COVID, missed like a year, it seems like, with COVID. <laughs> Grant Williams sucks. Uh... Aaron Neesmith didn't play. How are you supposed to get consistent with when Aaron Neesmith doesn't play? Peyton Pritchard, nice player. Also was hurt for about a month, people forget, at the beginning of the season. Knee injury. Just, he is what he is. Langford took forever to start. Langford. Misses, like, the whole year. Literally the worst offensive player in the entire league. Complete shit. Semi like sucks. Luke Cornett sucks. Tremont Waters. Whoa, whoa, Luke Cornett. (laughs) Cornette sucks. It, Jabari Parker, who I, off who I was a proponent for them to sign, I guess I figured out why he was on waivers, because he was, mm-hmm. and now he's getting DMP coaches' decisions. The rotations are just terrible, and it's just so inconsistent that I can't blame Tatum and Brown when they're playing with like different players every single night. Every single night they're playing with the different rotations. So for that, I give them a pass, and I put the blame on everyone else, starting with the point guard, who you pay $35 million, that has degenerative knee, missed the first month, and refuses to play on back-to-backs. So uh, one thing I, I wanted to point to, look at the schedule here, ready? So I, we mentioned that six-game winning streak back in April from the 9th all the way through the 17th, uh, the New York, Minnesota, Denver, Portland, L.A., Golden State. Um, the scoring here. You see Tatum, Brown, Tatum, 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 Brown. Great scoring here. Solid rebounding, at least 10 for whoever was the leader. Uh, and look at these four games here. Kemba Walker, nine assists leads the win against Minnesota. Six assists leads against Denver. Uh, seven assists leads the team against Portland. Seven assists leads the team against L.A. That's fantastic, but then look what happens down here. You get into later against Brooklyn, Charlotte, OKC. Fournier leads your team in assists with five. Walker leads your team with four against Charlotte. And then you have Smart with six. And even more recent, Smart against the Bulls with five. 
Fournier is leading your team in assists. If Evan Fournier is leading leading the team in assists in a game, that's embarrassing. Evan Fournier is a guy who is just known as a scorer. Score, score, score. Has no above-average facilitating ability whatsoever. Obviously, NBA players can make passes in this league. But we're talking about guys who can make other players better. Get them open. A floor general-esque. And the crazy thing is, we've seen this, John. Marcus Smart do it before. He's shown that he can pass the ball well and get his guys open. But for some reason, he just can't. He just can't take the hit of not shooting the ball as much. So that's the big catch. Yeah. If you have Marcus Smart as your floor general, it means that he's going to get like these nice assist numbers. Mm-hmm. But he also is going to be hucking up bricks because and, he's going to have the ball in his hands so much. And he's going to be turning over the ball as well. He gets it too fancy with it at times. So um, th- th- this is this is the big dilemma they have. They don't have a guy. It, it, like Tatum and Brown should not be the ones averaging crazy amounts of assists, okay? They're not Ben Simmons, Nikola Jokic types who are going to score 30-plus points Averaged over 10 rebounds. They're not triple-double guys like Westbrook and Jokic, okay? They're guys who are supposed to dominate in scoring, make the big shots, get themselves open to make big shots, because when they're relied on to create their own shot for 48 minutes, it's exhausting. When nobody's getting them open looks, it's exhausting. They have to do all the work themselves. This team needs somebody to just take one for the team and play a true point guard role. That's, I don't care who it I, is, but somebody why, has to do it. Pre-trade deadline, that's, I was so in. Remember, I was so in on Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. I still want Lonzo Ball. Because Lonzo Ball is an okay offensive player. But if he was on the Celtics, I think he would know his role, which is to be a facilitator. You know who else still gets crazy amounts of assists that isn't what you would think of more than like a role player indiana pacers tj mcconnell i was literally thinking i almost said tj mcconnell he he does he sometimes scores double digit points but he gets close to double digit assists fairly often in his role in indiana right now so clearly something is going right for tj mcconnell and Things are not going right for this Celtics team. Their their style, it's just, I I point to there are so many things to point some to. Some of what you said, but like again, like why, why is that? Why is that on some nights guys are facilitating, moving the ball, or you know who you would expect to get those assists, get them, and who you would expect to be scoring scores, but it's also like. You know, I just don't think the style of play that Brad wants to run or whatever it is isn't getting through. And it just it affects them on the court where they're not running. They're either not running what he wants to run or they're doing a poor job of it because that's not how like it's not going to benefit their style of play uh, the best. When they were when, you know, when Brad had to suck all the talent out of his players back in 20, you know, 14, 2015 and like 2016, you know, they were, you know, every night you were like, oh, wow, this is, no one competes harder than the Celtics. That's Celtics basketball. Like every night you can never say, oh, they didn't bring it tonight. They didn't show up. Like they, they mailed it in. They were always trying on defense. They were always pretty much, you know, a lot of games looked like a playoff atmosphere because that's how they treated pretty much every game. Um, And if you're Brad and you have guys like that, that's kind of your bread and butter. You know, you butler coach that got the most out of, you know, mid-major guys. And um, I think with this group, it's sort of, it's been changing. Uh, you know, since you drafted, you know, Brown and Tatum, and obviously Smart too, but more specifically Brown and Tatum, and, and you've brought in higher profile guys like Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, whatever it is, clearly, you know, he hasn't been able to make the most of that because they've gotten worse. Their winning, their record has gotten worse each year. So in the past four years, they have been trending downward since uh, in the last four years. And I mean, look, they've they've tried. They've tried a lot of different things with uh, you know this sort of core group, um, you know, between Smart, Brown, and Tatum. And now it's finally, you know, the car is finally theirs. And I don't think they have they don't have the right driver, you know, like 
Brad is that driver, and yep. he's not the right guy for it anymore. He was, but he's not anymore. Like, you need a guy that can really get to Tatum and Brown and can also, at the same time, at the same time, build that culture and and be able to have you know a great basketball mind to be able to draw plays and be able to have you know good offenses and being able to you know know and have a feel for the game and i think Brad sometimes just remember when he just we doesn't to, have the true feel and know like his team and can get through to them remember when yeah. we used to say that Brad Stevens was like a a god at drawing up plays I mean, he's supposed to be. As recent as, like, a year ago. And then some... It, it, doesn't it just feel like the guys this year on this team don't have roles? Like, truly just identified roles? The lines have gotten more bored and blurred. Again, like, as as higher-profile talent has come in, um, and as your younger talent has become more, like, higher-profile, he's lost touch with the team. That's just well, that's what's happened. How are you supposed to get to find roles when, like, half the team, like, doesn't play? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not a factor, but I'm just saying there there are so many things that have just added up to just create what is 35 and A guy like Neesmith could have had a role if Brad didn't bench him for the first, you know, quarter plus of the season. So that is on him. Like, he's got, like, there's... But it's also on Danny, too. Because Danny, as we've said many a times, Danny's refusal to move picks for established players and end up with dudes like Grant Williams... Semi Ojale and now Romeo Langford, who are just three just horrible, horrible yeah. offensive basketball players. Yeah, and he, he, they give yeah. you nothing. And the the last in season trade he had made pre Fournier uh, that wasn't a pick was Isaiah Thomas, and that is unacceptable. That was two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, that is insanity. You know, because they were chomping at the bit. They had been the longest every team year before this most recent trade deadline. They had been the team that had gone the longest without making an in-season trade. For a team that was having pretty good playoff success and making several Eastern Conference Finals, to not make an extra move to try and put yourself over the hump is quite shocking. So DS mentioned off-season. Obviously, we talked a little bit about what we think needs to change and clearly there's a lot that needs to change and hopefully it just starts with guys getting healthy and you know obviously the condensed season maybe that's putting a wear on some of these guys to get you know themselves hurt more often but um, hopefully that helps next year being a regular season so like we said Fournier he's a free agent this year so is Luke Cornette technically Tremont Waters and Taco Fall are as well um, and Semi Ojale also is a free agent so I mean, um, do you? I mean, like, aside from Waters and Fall, who will probably get two way deals and stick around just for whatever, um, Cornette and Ojale probably think those guys are gone. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah, I would. I would hope as well. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if those guys will get another contract in the NBA. They should. Uh, Ojale should be overseas. Ojale might get like a Brad Wanamaker, like one year whatever $3 million deal, and then the, the <clears throat> fan base hates him so much that they learn to trade him at the next trade deadline. <laughs> These guys should be overseas. They're overseas talent players the best, in my opinion. But I agree. I mean, Semios would be really good in, like, the Greek League. Yeah. Don't hate that. All right, well, as we wrap up this week's edition of The Cool Zone, uh, we have to look ahead um, to the next four games. Like we said, tonight... Uh, Tuesday, May 11th, they take on the Miami Heat. And then tomorrow night, back-to-back, Wednesday, take on Cleveland in Cleveland. They finish their season on the road. Tonight will be their final home game of the season. Um, So after Wednesday at Cleveland, they go to Minnesota on Saturday and then second end of a back-to-back Sunday in New York. Um, Normally, I would say to you guys, oh, what do you need to see here? But I mean... There's really not too much else to say. Um, I want them to go 0 and 4 for the sake of one, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and two, for their own sake, so they can play, be the eighth seed, uh, and not have to play the playing game at home. Lose that, then lose to Washington, and hopefully get like I don't know the twelfth spot in the lottery or something like that. 
So I'm glad you brought OKC up because I uh, I would like to um, I would like to finish. I know uh, there is a there is a huge NBA game tonight, uh, Tuesday, May 11th, uh, for seating purposes in the tank. Yes, and that is what I'm gonna pull up to you guys right now so we can reference it. But uh, where we're looking right is where all the E's are on the ESPN NBA standings. There is currently. I mean, technically, if you go off of wins, there is a four-way tie for second in uh, second in the lottery. Uh, obviously, the Houston Rockets are sixteen to fifty-three. They are going to get the number one spot, which is pain for Oklahoma City fans because of the pick they own is top four protected. Still a chance it could fall out, but not very likely. So, OKC, Cleveland, Orlando, and Minnesota. With the next worst team being Toronto, nowhere near. It's going to be a six-horse race for the top whatever picks. Um, and, of course, Cleveland and Oklahoma City uh, and Detroit are a game ahead in, as far as games played on Minnesota-Orlando. But 21 wins for Minnesota-Orlando-Cleveland, OKC. And like you said, tonight, the Detroit Pistons play the Minnesota Timberwolves. And if Detroit wins then there will be a five-way tie for the number two spot um, between the other five teams aside from Houston. So a lot to be decided uh, towards the end of the year. I did some looking at the schedules. Um, OKC has Sacramento tonight, uh, and then they have um, they have some other games that they're bound to lose. I can't remember them exactly. But um, there are a couple teams like Cleveland – um, that have some games that they could have won, like Indiana. The Orlando Magic will not lose another game because they are playing the likes of Atlanta, uh, Milwaukee, and Philly. Uh, I think Wait, they. You said they they won't win another game. Did I? That's not what I said. They no, won't win. You said they won't lose another game. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, they won't win another game because yeah. <laughs> they're playing uh, some really good teams, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, me, I'm biased, so I'm, I'll be very excited to see what happens there. But And I believe there's no, um, going back to the Celtics, I don't believe there's any tiebreakers in the NBA for uh, seeding. It is simply a coin flip. At least that's what they do when it's two. I don't know what they would do if there was, like, five teams tied. They just would have, like, their own little lottery to determine who's... Probably. That's a good question. I have no idea. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if they have it online about uh, what exactly. I mean, it looks like they have a lot of tiebreakers here. Yeah, I, I think this is for like... The normal uh, season? Yeah, it's not for lottery position, I believe. Hmm. Because I remember the Heat and the Celtics had these... Well, the Heat and the Kings had the same record. Uh, maybe it's because the Heat and the Kings, maybe they went one and one against each other or something during the regular season, and the Celtics lost the coin flip, and the Heat got the 13th pick, and they drafted Tyler Hero, and the Celtics got the 14th pick, and they drafted Romeo Langford. <laughs> well, I, I can't find any confirmation on this uh, coin flip necessarily, but... Um... No, I, the coin flip is definitely right. Okay. Well... Nonetheless, I guess there you we go. last year coin flip tiebreaker. Yep, last year coin flip. Well, so I guess that's what we'll be looking forward to is a, a big old fucking coin flip. Um, and with that being said, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Cool Zone. Be sure to follow everybody on Twitter at the Cool Zone. Uh, also follow our friends at Fixin to Talk Sports and Foxborough Files, uh, and obviously each one of us at. Sadic ninety four. What you you'll find all our uh, Twitter follow, accounts. Also there. follow Mouth and Off Radio uh, as well, uh, the flagship uh, pod, but also the main uh, you know just the Twitter feed that also hosts uh, the Johns that probably should be more active on Twitter. Yeah, and, and should be more active in recording some pods probably too. Mouth and Off hasn't gotten. Yeah, there's in a while. there's a there's a little scoop on a potential uh, oh scoop. post post draft uh, reaction pod. Ooh. Time. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to look forward to that. But for now, we will bid you adieu. Fuck Duke. Um, for sure, for sure. We will hopefully see you guys with more exciting news regarding the Celtics, but probably not next week.
Yeah, exciting my ass.